Welcome to the Ginghamsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a second to download the Ginghamsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Ginghamsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step in your journey with Jesus. Well, good morning. The music is real here, isn't it? It's real. It's not a show. It's authentic, real worship from real people. And it helps because if the sermon goes bad, you've already been blessed. So pressure's off of me. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I want to thank Pastor Dennis and the entire staff here for the invitation to preach this morning. It's a uh, it's very, very humbling. I want to thank Ginghamsburg Church for, for what you do for the impact in, in the kingdom of God. I want to thank you for what you do for the United Methodist Church. You know, if, if you don't know anything other than Ginghamsburg Church, let me tell you, there's a whole lot of other churches that watch you. They're inspired by you. They learn from you. They learn what works and they learn what doesn't work. Because you guys are bold enough to be on the cutting edge in so many ways, and you're doing stuff that other people are just talking about. So on behalf of Bishop Palmer and the entire cabinet, I sincerely thank you for what you're doing for the church and for the United Methodist Church. Uh, It's deeply appreciated. But you know what? I got an opportunity to preach in the big house today. I'm so excited, you know? So I'm, I'm smart enough to know to pray before I start. God, I pray that you continue to bless the words of all of our mouths and the meditations of each and every one of our hearts and let it continue to be holy and acceptable for we believe that you are our strength and blessed redeemer. Amen. You know, I've been worrying about this so much. I thought, what do I wear when I come to Ginghamsburg to preach? Because if you know me outside of here, you know that I always preach with a robe and a stole. Nobody told me not to do that, but I, I, I understand. And if I don't have a robe and a stole, then I got a suit and a tie. But I thought, ee, you, you've been talking about getting in the game. So I thought, I know, we'll talk about basketball, getting in the game, and I'll wear, my, I'll wear a, an NBA jersey. I love the Boston Celtics. But once I saw how much a Celtics jersey costs, you know, you're special, but I'm cheap. You know, I know. Like, okay, um, I know what I'll do. I'll wear my officiating attire. I was a class one Ohio High School Athletic Association basketball official, high school basketball for seven years. But I got so fed up with the politics and officiating that I quit and I gave my, all my apparel to my friends in Cuba. So if you ever see a Cuban guy walking around looking like a high school basketball official, he must be my buddy. I just get, because I don't want the temptation going back. So I thought, I know what I'll do. Getting in the game, I'll just dress up like a superhero. Oh, that's right. Dennis did that last week. He did Superman. That just leaves me to be Minnie Mouse. So I thought, no, I can't do that. So here's the reveal. Are you ready for it? I came this morning dressed up like an ordinary person. This is who I am. And I'm here to remind you if you've been spending a month about getting in the game and you actually take a step and get on the court, do you know the game plan? Have we been guilty just playing around or do we really know the play? Just saying, do you know the game plan? 
if you're going to get in the game. Be patient with me, I gotta set this up. I like basketball, I played basketball in elementary school. I'm from Thornville, Ohio, you know, that's special. You can fit the entire village of Thornville in this worship space, okay? A friend of Dennis, this is kind of weird, came to visit him this morning. The former undertaker of Thornville was sitting down here in the front row. That makes me a little nervous after my week. <laughs> it's like, Jesus, take the wheel, mercy. So anyway, back in Thornville, and on the elementary team, first of all, we didn't have jerseys. The red team played the blue team, and the orange team played the brown team. But when we got to the junior high, we actually had uniforms passed down 20 years ago from the varsity. They went to our knees, but we had uniforms. I made the seventh grade team, I made the eighth grade team, and now it's time to go to high school. Our high school is in the middle of a cornfield, literally, no exaggeration, cornfields on all four sides. Field of dreams, baby, you know? Sheridan High School. So when I made the ninth grade team, I didn't make the starting five. I wasn't number six or seven coming off the bench. No, on the 15-man roster, I was number 15. On a team that went 0 and 15. We were so bad, we couldn't even beat the Philo Electrics. Most of you don't know anything what that means, but your pastor knows what. He's just keeping quiet right now. If he, if he ever stands up here and preaches to you on a Sunday morning about the Philoelectrics and how good they are in basketball, you better watch your step walking out of here because you're going to trip over Pinocchio's nose. That was a guaranteed win in the Muskingum Valley League in the late 70s and into the 80s when you played Philo because they couldn't beat anybody except the freshman team that year. So if you're the 15th player on an 0 and 15 team, you know, I only look stupid. When it came time for 10th grade, I'm thinking, you know what, I can sit on the bench on the front row, never get in the game, or I could be the statistician and sit on the fourth row and actually get to eat popcorn as I watch the game, because I ain't gonna get in the game either way. So I became the statistician in 10th grade, 11th grade, and that got a little boring. So the 12th grade, I decided, you know what, I became the school mascot. It was in the era of the San Diego chicken. We were the generals, but nobody wanted to dress up like a general. So we made a big red bird, and that was the big red bird. I had the time of my life. I'm telling you, let me brag a little bit. It, I was so successful that the year after I graduated, the Muskingum Valley League had to implement proper protocol for all mascots in the league. Thank you very much. You know, I light it up. Now my whole time, I like basketball. I played around, but I know how to play the game. Maybe I could have actually got on the court and played the game if I would have focused more on knowing the game plan than playing around. You ask yourself this morning, how much of this analogy fits the church this morning? Every single person here knows how to play church. You decided what you're going to wear this morning. You came here. You know how to play it. You know how to play the donut game here. You know where to park to get out of here and not get jammed up outside. You know that if you like one of them little fancy tables up there in the balcony, you know you gotta, you gotta be strategic about that. But is that all we're gonna do is just kinda play church? 
talk about getting in the game or do we say, you know what? I've got to figure out what the game plan is. Jesus put together his, his team. He, he had more than 12 players. He didn't just pick all-stars, but he picked ordinary people too. Let me chase a little rabbit here. If you're, on an, if you're in some leadership capacity and, and you're putting together a team of leaders, let me tell you something. When you put together your team of leaders in the workplace or in a nonprofit or, or wherever you're at, you're not going to win if you put all all-stars on your team. A very successful uh, executive in Central Ohio pulled me aside when I was living over in Westerville and she said, Jim, you win championships, not with all-stars, but with chemistry. You need one or two all-stars, don't get me wrong, she said, but if you fill it up all with all-stars, you're not going to win. You win with chemistry. The Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl last Sunday, not because they had an all-star in every single position. They won the Super Bowl because they had chemistry. They got Mahomes, he's an all-star. But there are some people that became all-stars in that game. The Cincinnati Bengals, they got the chemistry. They got beautiful chemistry. They, they can win a Super Bowl. The only thing they don't have is good officiating in their ball games. You know? Gee. It's truth. So Jesus is putting together this team. Oh, he got his all-stars, but he also went and got a, a foreign woman at a well. He also got a cheating tax collector out of a tree. And he also went and, and got a blind beggar out of the dirt. And when he had his, his followers together one day on a mount, I went to Holy Land last summer. I got to stand on the mount. Man, that was cool. He was standing on the mount, talking to his followers, talking to his team, and he said, this is a game plan. I paraphrase that part. But he was giving them the game plan. Let me read it to you. It's from the Gospel of Matthew, the fifth chapter, verse 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth. My understanding of that is team, followers, crowd of people here, you got what it takes. You're salt. Don't lose your saltiness. Don't think that you don't have what it takes. We heard that in the music this morning. All I have is singing hallelujah. And you can sing hallelujah because you got the salt of the Savior in you. Verse 14, you're the light of the world. In other words, I put my light in you. And if you don't figure it out yet, go to verse 16. Let your light shine before others. Let your light shine. The game plan is to light the world. Now you're sitting there thinking, is that all you got to bring? To tell us that we're going to sing this little light of mine? We learned that a long time ago, preacher. That's probably why they made you a DS. It's simple. I get it. To let our, the game plan, if you're going to get in the game, the game plan is to let your light shine. If it's so simple, critics, if it's so simple, why can't we do it? Why do we fail with something so simple? 
Even the all-stars failed on figuring out something so simple. Judas, he sold his candle for 30 pieces of silver. They had a team meeting one night in the Garden of Gethsemane and all the all-stars fell asleep. When it was championship Friday on the court of Calvary, nobody was left on the team and Jesus died alone on the cross. So you help me understand why we can't figure it out. You fast forward all the way to today, something so simple, a game plan that anybody can do to to let our light shine. Oh no, jump in my truck. Follow me as a district superintendent. I've only been doing this for eight months. Jesus, take the wheel. You know, we theologize it. We politicize it. We manipulate it. We're, We're at war with one another. All we got to do is let our light shine for Jesus Christ. But it is a complete mess. He, I I don't know. I don't know what the the answer is, but I, I go back to the game plan. Remember your saltiness. Let your light shine. Some of you might right now might say, okay, I get it. Put me in, put me in, put me in. Put me in the game. I get it. Some of you have been in the game all weekend. Some of you have been helping with the car ministry, with, with New Path. Some of you have been helping with the food pantry, with there's 200 kids showed up for upward basketball and um, just the affirmation that, that is given in that setting. Was there 100 or some kids at the Blitz on Friday night? 50, parent, 50 uh, married couples came for date night. list goes on and on. For, for years, you've been the light of the world. Remember when Mike Slaughter was here and, you, and he reminded the entire world, not just your congregation, he reminded everybody, it's not our birthday, it's Jesus's birthday. And, and you lit it up in Darfur. You realize this morning with Pastor Dennis and the entire team of leadership here at Ginghamsburg, you realize how many people woke up this morning in El Salvador and they got a little bit more hope today than they had last year. Because you decided that it's bigger than Ginghamsburg. It's bigger than my Miami Valley. It's bigger than this county. It, it's the light. Let your light shine. However, I'm here this morning to say, you know, there's always one more field. One more field. As good as it is here Are you going to get in the game? And do you know the game plan? The game plan is to let your light shine. The game plan is to let that light shine, in my opinion, in the mission field. And and what's your next field? What's your next field? If you're going to get in the game, what court are you going to step on? The elementary court? Or has God called you to a to a new court. There's always one more mission field to let light shine. You know, for me, I did a lot of local mission work with with some great help and and other leaders. We we started a food pantry in Miami County and and another time some people gathered around me and we helped, we were one of the first churches to remodel a, um, a facility in Lima called the Samaritan House. 
And then last year when I was at Church of Messiah over in Westerville on Super Bowl Sunday, we did Joe Burrow boxes. And we, everybody took a box home on Super Bowl Sunday. And I said, you've been blessed to be a blessing. Bring back a blessing next week. And we had hundreds of Joe Burrow boxes, mainly filled with food. So we went down into Appalachia and Joe Burrow's honor to just uh, to help, especially Perry County, Junction City, Corning, New Lexington, Thornville. We didn't stop in Philo. <laughs> nope. Ran out of food, Dennis. Sorry. No. A little bit down there in Meigs County too. But, but there's always one more field. So people have joined me and, and we've literally kind of went across the United States, a march across America to help poor people. I've, I've helped many, many people in San Francisco in, in the Tenderloin District. We would volunteer at Glide Memorial and, and, and we fed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in San Francisco. We, we went on down to Houston and helped hungry people there. We went up to, to Denver and then over to Chicago where we, we just brought joy into a domestic violence shelter one evening. We went to D.C., Orlando. One day we went to Pennsylvania with Society of St. Andrews and gleaned apples to give to the poor. But there's always one more field so from an, from an international mission part, I've spent a lot of time in, in Nicaragua to help children with special needs. I've spent time in Cuba to help the poor. I don't want to chase too many rabbits, but you know what? Let me just say this. The embargo that our country puts on Cuba is wrong. And I don't care if you're a Democrat. I don't care if you're a Republican. I don't care if you're 50-50 or neither. It's wrong. The embargo only hurts the poor. I've seen it with my own eyes. And if 50 plus years of embargo hasn't changed the government, why do we think another 50 years is going to change it? In the meantime, people are suffering. And, and with other Christians, we've been able to, to distribute tens of thousands of pounds of rice and beans. But, I, but I'll, I'll leave that aside. You know, that trips my trigger. I've been down in the Caribbean, St. Lucia, Barbados, St. Martin, the West Indies, the Eastern Caribbean, all through there. For a couple years, we, we did a mission cruise. We jumped on Royal Caribbean cruise line. Well, yeah, that's really a mission, you know? Oh, well, we ate good. But when the, when the boat got to the dock and everybody on the ship wanted to go snorkeling and zip lining, and getting on the party boat to drink that punch rum and get drunker than a skunk the whole afternoon. They did that, God bless them, they're on vacation. But the church went into those side streets off of the tourist path and helped poor, impoverished, United Methodist people in the Caribbean. That's a cruise that'll change your life. You won't get in the game you got to know the game plan. The game plan is to let your light shine. Let it shine in the mission field and push yourself. What's your next field? What's your next field? What's the court that you're going to get on? And for me, I thought, you know what? I've covered all the courts, but no. A friend introduced me to a ministry in India. They told me that Mother Teresa herself had been there twice. So I went over to Chennai, India. That's on the eastern side of India. And there's this guy over there, and his name is Edgar Paul. 
And he felt that the way to let his light shine was that everybody deserved a dignified place to die. And that he noticed that throughout this major, major populated city that human beings were just dying in the street like dogs. But that was somebody's baby. So he started to go around and to pick up dying people and brought them to this facility to give them a dignified place to die. So when I got there, I walked in, the, in this building that he had and I'd seen a lot in my life, but I hadn't seen that. I could have brought pictures today, but pictures don't, don't capture the severity of it. I walked in this room and there's these cement pads and, and there's humans on each of these cement pads. And when they would urinate and, and defecate, somebody with the hose would just kind of spray all that over here to the trough and it would drain out. And as crude as that sounds, that's better than the street. Because he was just trying to give them a dignified place to die. So I walk in there and I thought, you know what? A burrow box ain't going to do me any good here. There's no apples on the trees to glean. This is too far from the cruise ship. And I walk in and all I got is the game plan. Jim, don't forget your saltiness. All you got to do is let the light of Jesus Christ shine in your life. So my wife and I, we would go up to this person and I wasn't afraid to touch him and neither was she. We don't know what they had, nor do we care what they had. They, they are a child of God. That's a brother and a sister. And we would just kneel down and we'd just hold their hand. And I'm telling myself, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. They don't need to see you come all the way to the other side of the world and cry because they're dying. They know they're dying. Smile, smile for Jesus. All you got to do is remember your saltiness. Remember to let your light shine. They taught it to you as a kid in the little town of Thornville. Let your light shine. Don't cry. You know? And, and we went to person, to person, and person, and the, the people around us were getting a little antsy. And I thought, I don't care what the schedule is. Everybody deserves to be touched. The reason they were trying to move me along was there was another building and another building and another building. And this guy had went around and he had picked up a, a thousand people. And the Lord placed upon my heart, come back here again, Jim. And I did. And you know what I did? I, I can't help the dying, but I can help those who have to take the hose to care for the dying. So I came back and told the story and raised a little money and I went back to India and I took all the helpers out to a great big buffet dinner and they laughed and we shared. And for one night, they, they, they got a little break from a very, very difficult ministry. You've been talking about four weeks of getting in the game. You gonna get in? Do you know the plan? Well, you might say, well, I'm discerning. Trust me, I don't want to hear that word anymore. I hear that every night of the week. You're not discerning. If you've been coming here for four weeks trying to discern whether to sign a clipboard on the side of the wall, you're procrastinating. 
You gotta get real with yourself this morning and say, am I gonna get in the game or not? Am I just gonna play church? Is this place more than a donut? Or I'm gonna say, I'm gonna let my light shine. I got the salt. I have the confidence. I can, well, yeah, you, you know what you're talking about. You're just one of them one and done preachers. You're going to get in your truck and you're going to go to another church and do your thing. All right. You don't know my story. You don't know how broke I am. You don't know how difficult of a week it's been. You don't know. No, no. Well, you don't know about that about me either. And we can whine and complain all we want to this morning. But when the sun sets tonight, we're one day closer to the end. We gonna die on the bench or we gonna die on the court? And I don't know about you, but I'm gonna die on the court. You know? <laughs> 72 hours ago, doctor told me, Jim, you might have a tumor in your head. I wasn't going to mention this. So I've done a heck of a lot of searching here the last couple days. They're going to do tests and verify whether it's there or not. I don't know. But I thought, I'll be damned if I'm sitting on the bench. Excuse my language. You know, and I'm not gonna be afraid because I know I have the salt and I'm gonna let my light shine on the court because I learned something in closing is my final story. I learned something when I was down in Nicaragua one day, helping handicapped children. This stout woman came with her, her nephew in her arms. A kid's name was Marcos. Marcos about six or seven. He's in a vegetative state, completely incapacitated. And she came up to, to me in, in my face and said, one day, I want my nephew, Marcos, to be just like your son. One day, I want him to be like your son. And I'm thinking, what's she talking about? Nobody wants to be like my son. My son isn't the 15th player on a 15 roster team. My son was born normal. I had hopes and dreams of him wearing a jersey. But when he was six weeks old, he got spinal meningitis and it destroyed his brain. And for 19 years, he lived in a vegetative state. My son never took a step, never walked, never crawled, never spoke a word, nothing for 19 years. And you're saying you want your nephew to be like my nephew, like my son? My, my son is your worst nightmare. An interpreter got in and said, Jim, you don't understand. She sees the inspiration that Bradley, our son, Bradley has been to 
to so many people. She wants Marcos to be an inspiration. And from that day, I thought, I learned something that day. It's when we have nothing that we have everything. Even Bradley and Marcos, both young men, completely incapacitated, never said a word, never took a step. They still had salt. And they still had the light of Jesus in their lives. And those two boys have lit up more of the kingdom than a whole lot of churches I've seen. And I thought, no, no matter how down and how out and how troubled we are, don't forget your saltiness. You got a light. Shine it for the kingdom. For God's sake, get in the game. Get in the game and find your next court. And when you get there, shine it for the kingdom. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you'd like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Ginghamsburg app or online at ginghamsburg.org.